this morning. Um, as we enter this new year, I um, wanted to add uh, Brother Willard to the prayer list. Uh, he had fell this week and he's got some pain and, and, and he's having some mobility issues. So keep him in your prayers. I, I failed to get that on the prayer list this morning. I had told y'all uh, sometime in December that we would probably be doing a series on Christian graces. Uh, when we were doing the topic of love. Uh, the type of love that God would have us to have. So when we get further in our study, we won't do as extensive a, as a study on love because I, th I think that we covered that uh, well enough. But we're going to start out this morning um, with just an introduction. Our, our part one will be just an introduction uh, of this epistle. We will not study this as we did prior when we uh, studied First Peter and we did verse by verse by verse. Um, it may appear that way this morning as we just covered, I think it's maybe the first four verses this morning, but we're, we're just going to get an introduction uh, to who uh, Peter was writing to, and, um, and so we'll go ahead and get started this morning. As Ben had read for us this morning, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. And, and so notice how uh, Peter identifies himself. He doesn't say Peter. Uh, in, in 1 Peter, he, he did. He just said he, it was simply Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But here he's, he's zeroing in on Simon Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, he was chosen by the Lord. Remember in John chapter 1, verse 42, and he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, or Jonas. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. In Mark chapter 3, verse 16, in Mark's account, and Simon he surnamed Peter. And so Cephas is the Syriac word, Syriac word for the Greek word, Peter. And so it was our Lord that said, you are now Simon Peter. The us in verse 1 would refer to him and the other apostles. Him and the other apostles. In verse 1, to them that have obtained like precious faith, through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, that them there would be fellow Christians. How do we know it was written to Christians? They already had obtained the faith as the apostle according to the righteousness of God through Christ. Now in 1 Peter, this is more of a broad letter written, an epistle written, because in 1 Peter, it was written to an uh, to a specific group. Remember, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And them being strangers, remember, we are all strangers on this earth. Once we become Christians, we are looking for our, our home. As, as Peter pointed out in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 
um, 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from flesh and lust, which war against the soul. And so he's telling them, uh, there he's, he's writing to a more specific group. Here it's more general as Christians, and I believe the reason why, I, didn't, I don't have it in my text, but this, Peter knows that his time's about to end. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me, Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be at, uh, be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. And so we can see here that no doubt, just as Jesus said, it is now, it is my time, my hour has come. Paul told, as we get further in our study, when he's talking to the uh, elders at Ephesus, he's, he remember he wept and he said that I would no longer see you again. Um, and so, as many times, uh, the only apostle that we believe that may have died of natural causes was the apostle John. All the other ones were um, were killed, crucified, and other other means tortured. In verse two uh, of Second uh, Peter chapter one, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of our Jesus our Lord. And so grace, where is God's grace found? Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, when Paul's writing to the young preacher Timothy, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So again, these, these brethren that he's writing to, they're in Christ already. And so he's telling them to let that grace be multiplied. Where is the peace of God found? Romans chapter uh, 5, verses 8 through 10. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. We're no longer enemies of God. For if we were enemies, we, we were recon for when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of the Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And so we can we know that through through uh, the blood of Jesus Christ, we are no longer striving against God. Those sins that were against God have been forgiven. And as long as we're walking in the light, as he is in the light, we are continuing to walk <coughs> in that fellowship with God. But it's through the knowledge of God. It's through the knowledge of God that we have this grace and peace. It's through the gospel. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul says, There is therefore now, now no condemnation in them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so God's grace and peace is conditional on us, walking after the teachings of the Spirit, that would be the knowledge of God. Verse 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that have called us to glory and virtue. Okay, and so according to God's divine power, um, he has given 
the us there, the apostles, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. For we know what that divine power is. Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God on the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Again, the knowledge of God, the righteousness of God. From faith to faith it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so where, where do we know about God's righteousness? It's in the gospel of Christ. The apostles were selected by God. John chapter 17, verses 8 and 9. For I have given unto them, that would be the apostles, this is Jesus when he's praying to the Father, words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, the words, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Well, Christ taught the apostles the words of eternal life. In John chapter uh, 6, verses 67 and 68, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Remember, this was after the feeding of the five thousand, and many uh, no longer followed after Jesus. And he said, Will you leave also? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And so Jesus had taught them the words of eternal life. He had taught them, as it says here, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of God, through the gospel. But the Spirit taught the apostles all truths. John chapter 14, verses 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have sent on you. So Jesus taught them those things, but the Holy Spirit was going to bring them to remembrance. And we can see that Peter's reason for writing this letter was to bring these things always in their remembrance. John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall he will show you things to come. So again, as we had seen in class today, uh, the Holy Spirit, we know that Peter was, was induced with the Holy Spirit, and he was being guided by the Holy Spirit. But even Peter uh, didn't quite understand that vision when it first came about. But, but the, the things that he's guiding, the Holy Spirit's guiding them in all truth, all truth. So in our world today, you have the, the holiness churches, and they all claim to be uh, guided by the Holy Ghost. But this one has this set of beliefs, and this one has this set of the beliefs. Well, someone's got to be in error, and I would beg they're both in error. But if the Holy Spirit is truly guiding these, these men and women, they should be guided in all truth. There should be no division. But one will say that there, there's three in the Godhead, and the other one will say, no, they're all one. But they're all being guided by the same Holy Ghost. 
the, the religious world is much confusion because they won't take the simple verses that teach that we are no longer guided uh, miraculously by the Holy Ghost. It's only through the scriptures that we are guided. It's through the teachings of the Spirit. Then he says, unto life. That life there would be eternal life in godliness. And so the Holy Spirit gave the words the apostles would need to teach others. Remember that was the great commission given in Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20 when Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then you're going to not only teach, but you're going to continue to teach. That's what Peter's doing here. Leaving a, a remembrance even at his death. Teaching them to deserve all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And then 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. Was given by the apostles to fellow Christians how? How is he giving these words? And I've already touched on it uh, briefly. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. For we, again, that's the apostles, have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's how I know we're talking about that select group. Those eyewitnesses. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Uh, I would think this would be the mount of uh, transfiguration. 19, when we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. And so again, he's telling them, take heed to what I'm writing to you in this epistle until the day dawn, until the judgment, when we will no longer have darkness, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so he's telling them that the scriptures in the past were written by holy men that were influenced by the Holy Ghost. This epistle that he's writing here, he's a holy man writing it, and he's doing it. Uh, being influenced by the Holy Ghost or inspired by the Holy Ghost. Again, uh, Paul says that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's God-breathed. How does he do that? He does it through his Holy Spirit. And so the Scriptures there would be the teachings of the Spirit, the knowledge of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, notice what Paul told the, the Corinthians. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, 
that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Your faith isn't in the wisdom of what, what man would say. Your faith is in the wisdom of the power of God, the power of God being the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. And so Paul says, my, my speech and my preaching was the power of God, the gospel, was just as the other apostles, the we there, guided by the Holy Spirit and being confirmed that it came from God by the miracle. When he did in verse uh, 4 there where he says, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. And then there was promises given to the apostles. In verse 4 of our text, whereby are given on those exceeding great and precious promises. And so there was promises that were given to the apostles. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive, unto you, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And so what's that great promise that, that was given? That home in heaven. Notice what, what he writes in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And then he also mentions the promise of being partakers of the divine nature. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We will be as Christ. We will have that glorified body that Christ has. We don't know what it will look like, but we have the assurance that we will be as he is. But how do we, as Christians, have access to these promises? Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through love. 2 Peter chapter 1 through uh, verse 4. It's because we've already obtained the precious faith as the apostles have. We've already obeyed the gospel. When we obeyed the gospel, we had our sins washed away, Acts 22, 16. We have escaped the world through our lust. It's through the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the, the pride of life that separates us from God. But we have escaped. So it's only through obedience to the gospel having our sins washed away in baptism. Acts 22, verse 16. And so this is a, a brief introduction to this epistle. Um, next week, Lord willing, we're going to look at the reason why he wrote this letter. We can already see that he's writing it because his time is short. 
that his time is at hand. And he wants to leave uh, this epistle so that they will have it in remembrance the things that he has already told them. But we're going to see it's all about knowledge. It's knowledge. It's, <coughs> it's spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. Which I'm kind of leading away toward, towards the end of next week. But notice what he says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. This, is, this letter is a letter of encouragement. It's trying to encourage them to be spiritually strong for the things that they're going to face. And he's going to deal with that in the other chapters of this letter. It's about the things that are going to be. Uh, First Peter, as you recall, that was things that they were going to deal with. Persecution and such from the outside. Peter in this epistle is dealing with things they're going to deal from within. And he's trying to build their faith of what it needs to be so that they can endure. That they can, that they can uh, squash that. And so this morning we, we offer the invitation. It's not our invitation, but it is the Lord's invitation. It's the same one that's been uh, obeyed for almost 2,000 years. It starts by hearing the word of God. You have, to, you have to hear the word of God. That's where the knowledge is. The power is in the gospel. And so uh, Hebrews, uh, no, Romans 10, 17, so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our belief is that Jesus Christ is the son of God. In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, and many other signs truly to Jesus in the present his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And believing you may have life, that eternal life, through his name. And then you must, uh, when, you, when you realize that your ways are contrary to God's way, that leads one to repentance. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3 and 5, I tell you, names except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He's commanded all men everywhere to repent. Uh, Acts 17, verse 30. In verse 31, he says the reason why, because he has appointed a day in which Jesus will, will uh, judge every man according to his word. Then we must confess him before men, his confession made on to salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, and shalt, uh, well, I messed that up. Let's go look that one up. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You're not saved at that time. We know the great example that's given to us in Acts chapter 8, verse 37. When the Ethiopian eunuch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then you must allow someone to immerse you in water. That's how you're going to escape the, the prior sins. And as we walk in the light as he is in the light, we will also have that blood to cleanse future sins. In Acts 22, verse 16, Paul was told and now uh, by Ananias, Arise. Now I tearest thou, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. But then we've been told to live faithful until the end is through the knowledge of our God, through the scriptures, the holy scriptures, that we know how to walk, 
that guides us the way that we should walk and we should walk as he does in the light. Revelation 2.10, fear none of those things which you shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in the prison that you may be tried. And you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful until death, and I will give thee a crown of life. If perhaps you have obeyed the gospel, but you have let sin creep in your, in your life, perhaps you become, as Peter's going to say in this letter, that one can become entangled again. So you can fall from God's grace. You can, you can do the very things that you were doing before and you will fall out of God's grace. If God's grace is only in Christ, that means one can fall out of his precious son. And when, when, God, uh, when God sends Christ and Christ sends his angel to deliver up the church, he's going to judge the church too. It doesn't matter if you're in the church. It doesn't guarantee us that home in heaven as we'll see next week. And so if we can help you in either way, if you'll come to the front, as together we can sing the song of encouragement. Yeah.